Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Gaming Dadcast. I'm Mike Bowerman. Welcome, welcome. So, today, we're going to be talking about the Last Guardian soundtrack. We're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. <clears throat> and the topic, the title is, Too Much to Take In. Alright, so let's get to it. I'm going to put out a PSA right now. I apologize ahead of time. I am recording this and feeling a little bit under the weather. Um, just a lot of just junk in my throat and face and sinus and blah. So, if you hear me, you know, chewing on some lozenges and, you know, just generally coughing and my voice sounds weird, I apologize. But I'm doing my best, I promise. I promise. Anyway, let's get to it. So... Let's talk about The Last Guardian. So The Last Guardian, uh, it was a game that felt almost like a myth. Um, I I came into it way later, um, like way after the fact. Uh, the, you know, like, oh, is this ever going to release? Oh, it finally released. It's released on PS4, all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and it is a, I guess you'd clarify it as like a, a 3D platformer, a puzzle platformer, I guess. But basically, um, it's an interesting concept of a boy leading an animal with, I don't know, the qualities of, like, some qualities of a dog, some qualities of a cat, and some of, a, like, physical qualities of a bird. And the, the thing with this game, so this was created by the <clears throat> same developers that did Ico, I think it was pronounced Ico, I-C-O, and... Um, my personal favorite, Shadow of the Colossus, of their group. I, I love that game. Um, so then this was like the third, the third one, I I believe. And the the big thing was that this animal, Trico, is the animal's name, which is this bird, cat, dog thing. Kind of like you call it, you beckon it, you have to earn its trust over the game, and the AI it does have a mind of its own. So sometimes you would call it in like, like a cat. Like sometimes you call a cat over and the cat just looks at you and is like, <laughs> no. Um, so, you know, the gameplay itself and the game itself, you know, very mixed bag, but I personally really, really, really enjoyed the game. But one thing that is just not up for debate here, in my opinion, is the music in the game. The music in the game is, it is wonderful. So, like, I can understand the game not being a hit with everybody. <clears throat> like I said, you know, there there are some glaring flaws, but we're not going to get into it. But the soundtrack is just so good. And this soundtrack is defined by huge volume swells and many almost um, breathy-feeling compositions. So... Let's start off with Overture Lore, which is, you know, kind of the, the same. It's the uh, the opening song, right? It's, it's the start. And just a note here, this soundtrack is probably, <clears throat> like to me, is probably the most related to, like, I can compare this to a film soundtrack with a game soundtrack, right? Like this is probably the closest me personally that I've, I've listened to thinking 
this could easily be a film. Now, there are other ones that, yeah, sure, you can make the case for, but this one, to me, feels like a film. And anyway, so I just want to make that note. So Overture Lore, first of all, first thing that sticks out with this song, the child, it sounds like children, I don't know if it is children, um, vocal chorus is, it's haunting, but at the same time, it's, it's hopeful, like something good could be coming and it is, it is big without being big. It just feels it's it feels all encompassing. It's very chilling. Um, and then you've got the sudden shift in the tone with the low register piano and the in st- and the strings in it. And it's just crazy um, how it changes so quickly. Like the tone in this song, like it'll start off kind of haunting, moves to hopeful, and then the sudden change with the low register and the strings just like changes the feeling of the song. And like I said before. The vocals in this song can get so big. It's just big. And it's honestly fantastic. And then you've got all of this stuff going on, right? <clears throat> so you got a lot of a lot of feelings being uh, you know, thrown out with this music. And the feeling of it. So you've got, you know, like this haunting, but it's still hopeful. You still got that like, yeah, this could be good. And it kind of shifts, and then even then, there's a flute. I'm pretty certain it's a flute that's added. And of all, you know, like of all things, the flute is the thing that brings a feeling of like this foreboding, something, something bad's coming, right? Like, like I don't know, it's kind of could be bad. Of all the things, the flute does it. And so again, as with any of these, you know, songs that start off the soundtrack, it's it's kind of setting the tone. And Overture is very, so like, this one's defined by the chorus, big time. And then that those huge volume swells that I mentioned before. I mean, it'll start off really light, and then just swell into this, like, cacophony of sound. Just, like, blowing your ears off. It's crazy how cool it is. Then you've got tracks like Forest. Now... This one, I love the rhythm. I love the rhythm in it. <clears throat> and uh, it's like the bump, 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 bump. Like, it's just so nice. It keeps it moving along. And again, going back into the, the huge volume swells, the strings are just one continuous sound that swells and fluctuates all throughout. And it's almost like, you know, it, the song is called Forest and it's got these swells and it's almost like leaves in the wind. So like, you know, the like I used to live uh, in Humboldt County here in California. And I just go out into the wilderness a lot just cuz I, I you know, I'm I'm a forest boy. I love going out and doing that stuff, being out in the trees. And there'd be times where I'd just be sitting there and I'd hear wind go through the redwoods. And now, redwoods it was, you know, <laughs> they go so tall that it's way above, but like there were smaller trees. And just sitting and listening to the wind go through the trees and, and go through the bushes, the tree, the some of the leaves on certain trees had a very distinct feel and a, and a fluidity to it. And that's what these strings do. And that's that's kind of this whole album is <clears throat> or the soundtrack is just huge volume swells. And then the song really opens up at the minute 30 mark 
And the only thing I could, the only way that I could describe it, like as I was listening to it, was it's awe inspiring. And again, it's largely in part due to these these huge volume swells with all these different instruments. So in this one, the strings, big time, and forest. Now, falling bridge. The next, the next couple, <clears throat> the next couple of songs are the most film score like to me so like if i didn't know these came from a game i would think they came from a movie like some kind of film now falling bridge uh this this song is one of the few that doesn't have a heavy amount of volume swells it's just always big but that's because of the nature of i mean you could probably gather by the name of it falling bridge this is a set piece in the game right like a bridge is falling oh gosh we gotta go and it's so crazy i'm like I hear this and I'm like, I remember this part. And it's this this stress and anxiety of like working with Trico, this giant animal <clears throat> trying to cooperate. Like, we gotta get across. This it's falling. And it's it's crazy how the anxiety um it's it's awesome to listen and get a feel of what's happening based on, like I said, the name of the composition. And just the pure emotion of this fear and anxiety surrounding the listener. You know, like, you look at the name, you hear it, and you go, yeah, I can picture that. Now, I've played the game, and so that's what I picture. But I would imagine that if you've never played the game, you know nothing about it, you could, you'd have an idea. And then, so, like, you've got this, you know, got the rhythm going along. Um, it's just always big. And then the horns hit with those booming lower tones and geez, it really, you know, it feels like stones. I wonder if this is, it was supposed to represent stones falling and crumbling, right? Kind of like this bridge falling, but they're booming and they're, they're the, like the lower register. Um, this song to kind of sum it up for whatever reason, it reminds me of like, maybe like an older Steven Spielberg film score like the film scores that that he would you know employ the the musicians to the composers to come in and make make the stuff but whatever reason like i i hear this song and i think of a Steven Spielberg film so that big the big blockbuster you know go to the theater kind of a thing <clears throat> so anyway that's falling bridge now again where it, it, it kind of ditches the volume swells and in the breathy feeling that a lot of these other ones had like the forest and overture, but it, st it still uses dynamics, the volume dynamics, but this one feels more like a, a film score. And then we've got victorious, which I mean, okay. So you can kind of gather what this is. So where falling bridge was, to me, the Steven Spielberg film score, this one's like a Marvel film score. You know, like I think of the Avengers, you know, the boom, 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 boom. That's kind of this song, right? And 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 I mean that in all the good ways. I'm I'm not like trying to say that and be like, ah, oh, it's terrible. I mean, obviously I'm highlighting the soundtrack. Um I don't know, the composition key and the heavy usage of the strings in this one lend to like a pompous exuberant feel to the song i mean it actually feels like a victory in the making and even then it's not as drastic as the others but it uses those volume swells big time alone the next song alone so now let's let's get away from the the film score songs right 
<laughs> um, this song gets me every time. It's it's so the beginning has this, and I don't know if it's just this my ears like what I'm hearing. <clears throat> The beginning has this like dissonance. Now, if you don't know what dissonance is, it's when two notes technically could work together in a key, but they don't sound necessarily good. Like they, there's a dissonance to them. There's like they're almost fighting each other. They work well enough. It's like they tolerate each other. And you're the people on the outside looking at it going, this is going to be awkward. And the beginning has this dissonance that just makes me feel off in a way feeling alone can really take a toll like the song is called alone and i'm not going to spoil where you know like when this is played in in the in the game but that dissonance and it's not like in your face it's it's very subtle it's in the background and it's like this like you know like when you hear that like ooh and you're like ah oh, get out of my ear like when you hear something like that that's kind of what i hear here in this song here, here. What am I talking about? Um, but then, like, it's I don't I don't know. I can't remember if it's like the halfway mark. But then it shifts to an almost like acceptance of being alone. And I I I it sounds to me like it switches to a more major sounding key, um, major versus minor. Minor usually means you know like a minor key is think of it like oh it sounds more sad, right? And that's where that dissonance could come in. Major is more happy, bigger, uh, you know, a lot of songs are in the major key. Um, and it shifts. So it's still kind of melancholy, but it's almost like an acceptance. Like, look, I'm alone, but I got to. It's like that initial part of the song is like, Ooh, oh, man, this sucks. And then it shifts to, well, I am alone. But I can't just stay here. I got to move on. I got to keep moving forward. <clears throat> then you got Sanctuary. Now, this one is just pure hope, man. So, like, the other one kind of that that starts off sad and kind of moves to acceptance. This one's just pure hope, hence the name. Um, the strings evoke this feeling of rest with a constant, quick fluctuation of the, the bow, um, you know, with the strings at the start. And then it moves into a smooth lullaby feel towards the latter half of the song. And again, like at the start, it's very breathy. And then it moves into the volume swells when it when it moves into that lullaby, the lullaby part of it. And there's this note that seems to play throughout the entire song <clears throat> into my ear. It sounds almost like vocals, like a vocal line. And oddly, it's soothing. It's just like this, like, but it's very subtle. It's very in the back. And I don't know what, there's something about it. It's just soothing to me, like the note itself or the way that it's sung. You know, and this this song tells kind of a, a different story out there. It tells the story of like, look, it's dangerous out there, but take a moment and catch yourself. You know, catch your breath. You can hear. <clears throat> And so again, this soundtrack is defined by these giant volume swells um, on both ends of the spectrum, very light to very loud, and a lot of breathy feels, like when it gets lighter, like when it gets softer, um, 
that breathy feel. And I mean, again, this soundtrack is very film-like in all the good ways. Um, and this is probably the closest game soundtrack to a film score that I've ever heard. It's it's really wonderful. You can listen to it, not be spoiled on anything in the game. Um, I do recommend the game, but that's that's not what we're talking about here. So good, good stuff. Great soundtrack for The Last Guardian. But enough about that. No more talking about Trico. We're going to talk about some more Zelda. The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Now, this game uh, originally released on the Super Nintendo. Uh, fun fact, I never owned this game. I don't, this an Ocarina of Time, I never owned. But I managed to play multiple times thanks to other people owning it. And then I would basically just hijack their system and, and play it all. Now, I had to do this one because the game recently had its 30-year anniversary. Oh, I just read that. I, like, I, I actually made that note in my notes here. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, I'm getting old. 30-year <laughs> anniversary. I remember when that was new. Anyway, this was a game. Like I said, this was a game I never owned on my SNES. Played through multiple times. <clears throat> and until Wind Waker came along, this was my favorite Zelda game. Period. Ocarina of Time didn't even beat it for me. I loved A Link to the Past. This was, like, to this day, this is probably in my top three Zelda games of all time still. And I recognize that there's a nostalgia thing. And this is this was, like my Zelda, right? Like this was my, like I played the first Zelda, I played Zelda two, you know, like I, I wasn't new to the series, but this was like my first Zelda, right? Like this is the one that I connected with first. So why are we talking about a link to the past? There's a reason, a lot of reasons to talk about it, but first off, let's talk about the visuals and the presentations. So now, nowadays, obviously, it's not as crazy, right? But at the time, they blew my mind, especially considering what we had previously, you know, with the Zelda series. <clears throat> I was used to games like Mario Brothers uh, and, the like I said, the original Zelda. So this game felt like a huge generational leap to me. And... This might have been one of the first times that the music in a game really stuck with me. Um, though I wasn't cognitive of it at the time, but it was like, it stuck with me. Like this music, I mean, later on when other Zelda franchises use this, like in Wind Waker, I won't spoil it in case you're crazy and you haven't played through that, which you should play through Wind Waker in some capacity. You just should. Um <clears throat> When there's a song played in that song, in that, uh, I believe it was in Wind Waker, when you get to a certain area of the game, I marked so hard for the song that was playing. And it was, you know, like my ties to uh, Link to the Past. And I I didn't realize that at the time. And I don't think I even realized it until, you know, later, you know, like more recent years. So anyway, visuals and the presentation great stuff the visuals music the color palette well I want to talk about that the color palette was so vast to me you know looking back on it obviously it's for sure limited by the the hardware at the time sure but like it's you go play at that game and it still holds up like you play it and you'd be like oh this could be like a modern day indie game and the sheer scope of this world itself 
felt so huge when I first played it. I mean, obviously nowadays this is a small game by current standards, but it wasn't short like the previous games had been. Like it, it didn't it felt grand, right? Um it felt bigger, like adventurous. And so the visuals and presentation in this, I mean, in all honesty, played a huge part in why this game stuck with me. Now, as much as the visuals impressed me, what really captured my attention was the focus on story and just how epic, grand, adventurous the game felt. You know, to this point, I hadn't really played any RPGs, so my exposure to games were essentially just get from point A to point B or you know, get the highest points possible, right? So nothing like to this extent. So again, you know, not saying that there weren't other games like that at the time. I'm just saying I wasn't exposed to them until this game. And it was such a huge change to me <clears throat> that we had more context into how Zelda got initially captured and that you actually rescue her initially, you know, at the start. Um, so this this wasn't a standard gameplay story for the time either. Like, oh, the princess was already taken. Go get her. You know, like it, it gave a lot more context. Now, again, by today's standards, still pretty shallow. But at the time when it came out, it, it was crazy. You know, it really advanced the series. And. I also appreciated how more characters got involved than just a handful, you know, just like, oh, these, these two, like, you know, you got even just like little side characters, like, Hey, the monkey that builds a bridge because he brought him some stuff, you know? And at the beginning, um, oh, okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. So like the start of the game was so freaking cool to me and it still is like, even to this day, like your guardian tells you, you know, your parents and your guardian, Hey, you got to stay here. I got to go take care of something. Stay home. And there's like a storm raging outside. And then like it cuts away and it's like time has passed. And now it's like you have to get up out of bed. You have to move. Get out of bed. You have to move out of that house. You are making that decision like Link is, right? You are making his decision for him. And it's, you know, it's a scary thought. Did did they make it? Did the 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 guardian make it? Why aren't they back? What's going on? What am I going to find if I step out? And then when you step out, you know, there's there's dangers out there as well. And so just a really cool start to it. So it's like the visuals and the presentation was the first step. And then the story took the next step with this game. <clears throat> and it just continued to blow me away. And at the time, for a Super Nintendo game, this this was so crazy to me. But... A story can only take a game so far with any game new or old. It's a good thing that the gameplay in A Link to the Past, the gameplay mechanics were so good. I mean, they were familiar enough from previous Zelda games, but they drastically changed things up and a lot of the a lot of the stuff would become staples in following entries. So, the puzzles in the game and the arsenal of weaponry, you know, or tools, I should say, that becomes available as you progress was so cool to me at the time. It blew my mind and made me consistently ponder like, how did, how did these developers, the people that made this, how'd they come up with this? Like, where did they come up with this out of their mind? Like how it's just, it was crazy to me. 
And this was the first time in a game I was actively looking all over the map in each dungeon for each piece of treasure, heart pieces, special items I could use moving forward, rupees, all of that stuff. I wanted to find it all because I was invested. So all of these things, visual presentation, the music, the story, the gameplay mechanics, like, you know, it was kind of like a kick in the butt to the franchise. But the biggest part for me, though, and and what I believe led to the classic that is Ocarina of Time ties in with that story. Now, this is going to be spoilers, but yeah, this game is really old. And if you have a Nintendo Switch, you can play it. If you have NSO, just the bottom tier, your SNES. There are many other ways to play this. I think you can play on your Wii U, <clears throat> maybe even on your Wii still. That might be gone um, by the time you listen to this. But, you know, like, you play the game if you can't, like, however you can. Anyway, so it's just a warning of spoilers. When the other world, the dark world, is introduced, I flipped out. Like, what was this thing? How could this be? How big was this game? I thought I was nearing the end. And then it's like the game goes, ha ha, no, you're not. And on top of that, like, it was so cool. It was such a cool concept. Like, what would the world, what would Hyrule look like if evil was the foundation, not good? Like, evil reigned. How would it change from the Hyrule we knew? And this paradigm shift, I fully believe, led to what happens in Ocarina of Time. More spoilers there. <clears throat> Where that, now, that that game took it further and, and more specific which was really cool. But this one, like, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Like, I'm nearing the end. I can feel it. And then the dark world's introduced. And it's scarier. And it's harder. And it's like big. It's like, whoa. What have I done? Where am I? This was a huge deal for me. Uh, because this this not only made Zelda, the franchise, feel like a much more epic adventure. But it altered how I viewed game storytelling and how things are executed and presented. And that presentation, like, look, <clears throat> I am not the biggest. I am not like, a, oh, it's got to have a visual fidelity that's flawless. I, you know, otherwise I'd never play Nintendo games, period. Because, you know, they're always behind as far as the the power and the visual fidelity. But, you know, I presentation visuals like they do matter okay whether it's art direction whether it's the visual fidelity of a game the performance of a game like that stuff does matter it does play into it <clears throat> and a link to the past really showed that to me without me realizing that at the time um so yeah it, it's just crazy what this did and then that paradigm shift of like the dark world and everything there just crazy to me and you know no matter how the franchise progresses further and adds cooler, newer stuff, Link to the Past will always have a special place in my heart. Breath of the Wild is my favorite Zelda. That's just, I mean, it's, that's what it is. And Wind Waker is a close second. But something neither of those two games have is being the first Zelda game that I truly connected with. Now others, maybe Wind Waker was the first one, whatever it is. But for me... <clears throat> Like I said, 
I view A Link to the Past as my Zelda, quote-unquote my Zelda, because that's that's when I was first invested in this series. You know, I play this game if you haven't. Play, play this game again if you have. This game is a true classic, and it still holds up to this day being so old. It's still playable, still more than playable. It's very enjoyable for all of those reasons I stated before. Um, and, and the biggest being that paradigm shift of like, what, whoa, this is crazy. Can't believe this is happening. So link to the past, go play it. All right. Now let's get to the the more serious stuff, right? So the topic title is too much to take in. Now, this is definitely going to sound like dad talk. But, oh, well, this is the Gaming Dad cast, so, yeah. I remember back when I was younger, I didn't get a mobile phone until I was in college. So, was that 2003, 2004, something like that. I didn't have a laptop until I went to a university. Uh, so, it was my third year of college overall. So, you know, three years after that, after 2003 or 2004. My news gaming related and otherwise was largely delivered to me through magazines, newspapers, etc., you know, like physical uh media. I did have exposure to the internet, but it was still a budding thing at the time. I mean, it, well, at least for me it was a budding thing. Um and I did, you know, I didn't have instant TV to watch either. And TiVo, <laughs> who remembers who remembers TiVo um was still a newer thing at the time, you know, later on. But, you know, it cost a lot, and I was a starving college kid out on my own. Like, I never had one. So I didn't have all of that stuff. So back in my day, I didn't have anything instant to me. Now, after the past few years and the real-world problems that have been happening, I'm not even going to get into I could talk for hours about that and rant and vent and all that stuff. We're not going to get into that. But, you know, as well as having two young boys growing up during this time, I have constantly asked myself, was all this connectivity a mistake? This social media connectivity, social platforms, you know, my kids will never know what it is like to have to wait for things unless we make them, which, by the way, we actually do. Uh, being bored. I mean, do you, do you remember being bored? Being bored, I believe, like me personally and, and my wife, is actually a good thing. You know, I, I kind of view it as being a way for your brain to just calm down, use that imagination to not be bored. You know, we purposefully set times for our kids to quote-unquote entertain themselves without technology, no games, no TV, no none of that stuff, figure it out. And, you know, like, let, let me ask you a question, listener. When was the last time you were bored? Like you were sitting there going, you know, not, I'm not talking about <clears throat> I'm choosing or I'm overwhelmed because there's a difference, right? Because have you ever gotten overwhelmed by there's so much to choose from that you don't really choose anything? I'm not talking about that. That's the opposite here which I guess kind of does play into this point. But when was the last time you were bored? Like you were sitting there thinking, I don't, I don't know what to do. I have nothing to do. Like 
you you just didn't have anything to do or to go like nothing. Like I personally, I can't remember the last time. I can't. And you know, in all seriousness though, um I do often wonder if we get too much information. And let's bring it into, you know, let's bring it into the gaming sphere here. So all these companies, gaming and, and non-gaming, they are vying for our time. And in order to stand out with anything these days, you have to have quantity, it feels like. Not even necessary qual- necessarily quality. Like here, okay, let's talk about this podcast. <clears throat> I put out this podcast every week, once a week. That's probably not enough quantity. I will probably never get bigger. And that's fine by me. By my standards, that's fine. I'm doing this because I love it and I enjoy this. That's a good place to start, <laughs> you know. And I've started there with other projects and it's turned into other things and I had to just quit and stop. Um, But you have to have just, you have to just keep slinging mud on the wall until something sticks, right? That's the, there's so many people doing so much stuff and so many things out there to grab our attention that these companies, that's what they do. Just throw stuff, throw stuff, throw stuff, throw stuff. Social media is exactly the same way. And it's built to be able to do this in a streamlined fashion. Now, like, okay, look look at things like the dreaded YouTube algorithm or how Twitter feeds you promotional ads and catered content. Like, these social media platforms have their benefits, sure, in all seriousness, right? But I asked if it was a mistake, and I feel like it's being turned into that, maybe, but especially with games. So, again, let's narrow it down a little bit further to video games. Let's let's bring up, uh, <clears throat> okay, this is a good example because this just happened. We just got news that... Splatoon, or no, not Splatoon, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 got moved up from its September date to July. That's unheard of in this day and age. Unheard of. There are so many delays to games, and I feel like this is due to releasing info too early because it is so easy to post a tweet or post something or, you know, something like that and feel like the social media world is demanding this news. Like these companies are like, we got to get back in people's faces. How do we do that? Oh man, look at our game. Like look at a perfect example of this is, uh, Silk Song, which is like a follow-up to Hollow Knight. That was first shown off, announced, was it three, four years ago? Maybe more. Where is that game? They should not have shown that. They shouldn't have. They should not have, but they did. And I feel like part of it is a pressure from smaller companies to do this and and bigger companies just be like, we got to get in people's faces again. We'll deal with the bad stuff later. Right. And so this constant flow of information and stuff that needs to be done, right? There is so much to take in that I feel like it's changing our brains or at least mine, you know, and it makes me worry. So now this, let's bring this down to the personal side of things. And maybe this, this applies to you as well. You know, 
my kids don't know any differently. That they've grown up in this age. I did not. Okay. And I got to realize that difference first and foremost, you know, sure. We monitor their intake of stuff online and how much stuff they're, you know, like the, the games are playing versus, you know, doing other things or the things that they watch, but they have a constant flow of just stuff thrown at them. Even when they're just not part of that, right? Like it's, it's just constant. It's constant. And like, let me ask you another question in this. I guess this can kind of pertain, you know, start to play into things like gaming glut that we've talked about before and backlogs and all that. When's the last time? And uh, well, let me ask myself, when's the last time that I just like completed a game? I mean, like I played the heck out of that game. And I, I'm get I, this year. I've gotten much better about that. I used to be like, okay. I talked about uh link to the past earlier. I played that game a lot. I knew all about everything in that game. Oh, because that's just what I played. I didn't have, at the time, I didn't have a constant flow of stuff thrown at me and new things and buy this one and there's a new game and here's a new this. I didn't have that. I just didn't have it. So my entertainment was go outside and do something else or play that same game again, Get play it again and really truly enjoy it for what it is. Now, I'm not saying you can't enjoy something one time, the first time you play it or the only time you play it through. Not saying that. I'm just asking some questions here. Um, I, I honestly feel like we have too much to take in. You know, <laughs> sitting in bed doing the endless, uh, they call it doom scrolling, you know, constantly checking our feeds. You know, I'm part of this and, and I have been purposefully trying to cut way back on Twitter stuff, on Instagram stuff, online, be off my phone. Just the other day I watched a movie and I was barely on my phone. Now social media can be great. Like that's how I've kept in touch with two of my closest friends, my two closest friends. That's how I've kept in touch. They live elsewhere, far away. Don't get to see them. But every time I see them, it's like, I've been hanging out with them the entire time. Social media is can be a very good thing, but it's built in a way to just throw crap at us, just more and more stuff. You know, a couple episodes back, I discussed touching grass, and then I think it's a good thing. Honestly, I think it's more than good. I believe it's vital. I th- I think it's really needed. Disconnecting from... Uh, the social media world at large is a healthy thing to do, in my opinion. And sometimes I just do that. You know, there are days where I just don't look, just don't need it. And, you know, moderation is the key. Like with everything, moderation is the key in not getting sucked into every negative circle that fills social media. Now, you don't have to be a shill or, oh, I don't look at all the negative things or the criticisms of things. But I feel like there's just got to be balanced moderation. And I think that disconnecting a bit will help us to appreciate the games we are playing more as well as finish the games we purchase and, and, you know, those games we're interested in. And I see that too, to kind of bring up a previous topic we talked about with, um, you know, free to play games, right? And my kids play those. That's just even more just junk thrown at their faces as opposed to 
this game they bought and they're playing like um, a Mario Odyssey. They buy it and they play it and they are focused on that. And that's their game and they can focus on it. Use their problem solving skills, use their hand-eye coordination, not just be like, Ooh, there's a thing. Oh, here's another thing. Wait, there's that thing. They can start, they can finish, they can do that kind of stuff. And I think that's important, man. I really do think that's important. And I often wonder, you know, do we have too much information? Like, do we have too much information? I don't know if I have the answer. I personally believe that we do. But, you know, maybe you think differently. What do you think about it? Do you think that we have too much information at our disposal? Uh, You know, what what do you think about A Link to the Past? Is it your favorite Zelda game? Have you ever played The Last Guardian? Do you think that there are other game soundtracks that sound more like film scores to you? I'd love to hear from you. Talking about those social media that we just talked about getting offline, right? But if you decide to get back online after taking some time off, I post Twitter polls. You can follow me at Bowertendo on, on Instagram. Um, you can email me, Bowertendo at gmail.com. You can catch me on the weekends when I stream. Bowertendo is the handle. Um, and to discuss the re- the recent poll that I did on Twitter. Uh, have you ever played Metroid Prime? And as of right now, it's 58% yes, 42% nope, which tells me again, we need a we need that remaster remake rumor to be a real thing. We need that thing to come because Metroid Prime is a fantastic game. So Anyway, I'd love to hear from you. And as always, I appreciate you listening all the way to the end here. You are fantastic. And until next time, bye.